Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Blockchain and Aviation Podcast. I'm Mark Schultz, your host. This is episode two, where we focus on blockchain and aviation business cases. Hey, welcome everybody to episode two of Blockchain and Aviation. Hey, today is Business Case Wednesday. Today we're going to be focusing on uh, business cases for blockchain and aviation. And I have a guest with us today who is doing real live implementations of blockchain. And we're going to be talking about terminology again to make sure that we all understand terminology. We are going to be talking about business cases and we're going to be answering some questions. And uh, I'm going to be looking forward to having your questions online you know, with us. So let me just jump right in and introduce to you my co-host. Here I have with us today, Gabriel Schultz. Gabriel, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you, Gabriel. Uh, I'm glad to have you with me again. Can you just tell people where you're located? People always like to know where we're located when we're on these broadcasts. I, I agree. Right now I'm in uh, the Seattle location. So uh, if you know anything about Seattle, we're near the Ballard Ballard area. So Fantastic. All right. Okay. It's good to have you with us. Hey, listen, um, uh, Gabriel, we, uh, we have a guest with us uh, today. And um, the interesting thing about our guest is, is that he has a long history of IT and uh, entrepreneurship, and um, he's with a company that's actually called uh, Real Variable. And um, the company Real Variable uh, offers blockchain solutions. And so we've asked him to come and join us and be part of the uh, broadcast today in order to be able to bring his expertise and to share with all of you out there uh, his knowledge on blockchain. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him in um, right now. And uh, so here we have LV with us today. Uh, good evening, LV. Hi, good morning, Mark. Good morning, Gabriel. Morning. Yeah, very good. Um, uh, LV, um, I wonder if you could just uh, tell people where you're located at so they can kind of know uh, where you're currently coming to us from. I'm uh, joining from Hyderabad, India. Hyderabad. Okay, perfect. All right, excellent. Hey, listen, um, let's jump in and uh, I want to just uh, have you introduce yourself. Uh, people always want to know who you are and what do you do. Um, LV, could you just tell people who you are and what do you do? Sure. So my name is Lakshmi Venkat Vemuganti. I am uh, one of the co-founders and uh, chief technology officer at Real Variable. So co-founded Real Variable about five years ago, overall about 20 plus years in the enterprise solutions industry, implemented many solutions across the world. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us, LB. Hey, um, for those of you watching today, uh, I just wanted to let you know that in our first broadcast, we just had amazing participation. Um, I think we had uh, about 3,000 views you know, of the broadcast, and uh, we had a couple hundred people that were online during the broadcast. We had all kinds of questions, and I just always love it when you provide, um, you know, uh, let us know who you are and where you're coming to us from. And uh, I'm just wondering if um, you could help us out by sharing this broadcast. Um, I am passionate about digital and digital transformation and aviation, and I need you and your help for us to be able to get the word out and I would appreciate it if you would share the broadcast. And uh, also, there's a comment box down there, and it's always fun to know where people are watching from. Um, I don't know, we have people watching from 20 or 30 countries on Monday you know, this week. And um, if you're watching right now, I would appreciate it if you would just put your, uh, uh, you know, put a comment down there in the comment box and just tell us um, where you're watching from, and we'll give you a little shout out and, uh, and uh, recognize you like we did um, last time. And also, let me just remind you, that we are going to be taking live Q&A. And um, we, had a, we had a lot of questions, but last time they came in toward the end of the broadcast and we actually didn't have enough time to completely answer them. 
So um, I wanted to just take a moment while you're putting in there your uh, location and where you're watching from and remind you that we're in the middle of doing a series right now called Blockchain and Aviation. And we've committed to doing an eight-week series. And this is actually episode two. And uh, um, the series is going to have on Mondays something I call Ideation Mondays. We're going to be talking about innovation and things that are happening in aviation with respect to blockchain. And then on Wednesdays, we're doing something called uh, uh, business case Wednesdays, where I'm bringing people in. We're going to talk about business cases and the application of blockchain in aviation. And then from there, we're going to be doing uh, something called product showcases on Fridays. And uh, we're going to actually show some products. Hey, let's um, let's recognize some of the people that are coming in now. It's always fun to do that. Um, we have uh, Monica uh, Bada. Um, she's coming in from Montreal. Um, I, I met her, I think, for the first time in Seattle a while back. And I, I thank you for joining us. Um, we have uh, users coming in uh, from Hamburg. Unfortunately, it doesn't say uh, your name. I'm sorry. Welcome, Hamburg. <laughs> and then uh, let's see, we have Sven Hoffner. He's getting ready for takeoff again. Thanks for joining us, Sven. And it uh, looks like he's joining us uh, from Germany. Um, we have Kieran. Hey, LV, do you know Kieran? <laughs> wow, we are Felix. <laughs> yeah, LV and Kieran work together at Real Variable. Welcome, Kieran. Glad to have you with us. And uh, we have uh, Ismail coming to us from Istanbul. Welcome, uh, Istanbul. Uh, let's see, we have Rina, and uh, Rina's coming to us from Toronto. I think last time she said that she's uh, studying blockchain right now, and we really look forward to having any knowledge that people are bringing. Um, Richard Scarborough, he's a frequent visitor of our broadcast. Richard, thanks for jumping in. We have somebody that joined us from, uh, from uh, Warwick, uh, Rhode Island. Um, boy, it really just continues all over the world here. And uh, Liverpool, we have Abdullah joining us from Liverpool, UK. Welcome, UK. And uh, we have this stranger here. This is actually my daughter, Rachel. She's, uh, she works for DreamWorks. She's involved in digital in another way. I'm involved in, uh, in digital and aviation, and she is an animator. Um, and so uh, welcome, Rachel. Uh, we have uh, Shivam coming to us from uh, India. Shivam, thanks for joining us. Great to have you. And let's see, we have Rina here again. And let me see, we have, uh, oh, Jean-Marc from Skythread. Skythread is uh, in Irving, California. And they're actually going to be a guest on one of our, um, very prominent in the uh, blockchain industry and aviation. And they're going to be a guest on one of our future programs. So great. Listen, um, thank you all so much for just getting me an idea of who's watching out there. And remember, I need some questions. So please submit your questions and we're going to do our best to, uh, to answer them. Hey, listen, um, as we get started here, I always think it's really good for people to get to know our guests and our guest speakers. And um, I'm going to kick this off by asking LV a little bit about himself and about his background. LV, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this subject and uh, what brought you to the place where, you know, you were just involved in uh, uh, blockchain? I'd like, we'd like for people just to know a little bit more about you and your background and what brought you to this journey. Thanks, Mark. <clears throat> so uh, about 20 years of my experience in the IT industry, out of which four and a half years in the in the blockchain, but the previous 16 years went in terms of uh, implementing enterprise solutions, whether it is uh, integrations, whether it is uh, ERP, whether it is uh, data warehouses, analytics, you know, across across the entire globe, you know, except South America. Uh, I did not visit that continent yet. Uh, one thing that you know we have seen is that organizations have invested quite a lot in terms of creating the internal solutions, you know, which could talk to the tier one customers or tier one suppliers, or let's say tier one partners. 
but to be for them to be able to get any kind of information from the next years it is just impossible because you know they have to go through these walled gardens right so that is when you know we were looking at you know warehouses are there data lakes are there you know how about creating data networks but for us to be able to create the data networks you need a sound technology that is running behind which has which can provide the digital data trust which can provide immutability which can provide encryption you know which can provide a lot of security that is where you know blockchain uh, we saw and that is a wonderful fit and uh, we know data is going to be the next oil for the oil for the next two decades in terms of you know organizational efficiencies improvement so that is where you know we have started seeing this mark yeah that's really good and um you know it's uh, it's interesting um, you're you're the chief technical officer and the co-founder of real variable correct that's correct yeah, good. So, um, you know, I always like to meet fellow entrepreneurs, people that start up companies and things. It's always been a passion of mine. And uh, as well, you know, you being involved in technology, you know, that's always been, um, you know, also a passion of mine. Digital, digital transformation, aviation and entrepreneurship, you know, those are all really important things to me. So anyway, thanks for joining us today. I really, you know, really appreciate that. And we're going to be digging into more and more details. Um, hey, let me recognize a few more people that have joined us. I always like to do that and uh, I'm going to be looking for questions as well. Like I said, um, we have Karthik who's joined us from uh, the UK. Welcome, Karthik. And then we have my business partner, Larry. Larry's out there in uh, sunny Seattle, he says. Glad to have you with us, Larry. Um, we have uh, Abdullah joining us from Egypt. He's an aerospace engineer graduate. We recently connected on LinkedIn and I appreciate you reaching out to me, Abdullah, and uh, connecting with me. And then uh, we have Deepak from uh, uh, India. Um, great, glad to have you uh, with us. And uh, remember, we're going to need questions. So um, let me just jump into the first uh, first segment of our broadcast here today, and we're going to break it up into three pieces. Number one, we're going to talk a little bit about terminology, and then number two, we're going to be talking about um, business cases, and then we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some business cases. Let me tell you why we talk about terminology is because what I find is is that until we understand uh, our own terminology and what we're talking about. It's difficult for us to completely evaluate solutions and really understand, um, you know, what it is that we're looking at and why we should be considering implementing it or not considering implementing it. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, terminology. And by by uh, by way of uh, putting a little slide up here, I'm going to do that so that we can have a conversation about some of these things on this slide. So, um, uh, Gabe, I. Last on Monday, we started out by talking about uh, blockchain and what it means if something is decentralized or a distributed ledger. Could you maybe kick off our conversation by, you know, just giving a few words on, you know, what is something if it's decentralized and what does it mean if something's a digital ledger? Yeah, so when it comes to a decentralized blockchain network, um, no one has to know each other. So it's, it's trustless. So the big part is that it's trustless and each member has a, uh, a copy of the exact same data. So across the network, everybody's got the exact same data. Um, and if anything is altered or if there's any any sort of altercation in, in one of the members, uh, uh, so in, in somebody's network, then we can know right away it'll be rejected um, because everybody else has, has the exact same copy, right? So just, that's just the simple, simple explanation of the decentralized blockchain network. But um, LV, is there anything anything else you want to add on that? Well, yes. I mean, of course, apart right. from the immutability, uh, also, you know, you have the ability to, you know, create the governance mechanism in terms of 
who can publish the data, who can consume the data, who can overwrite some of the data. Right? When I say overwrite, means you know add an additional record and then you know correct certain records. So that also is part of you know the decentralization process. So, um, Gabe, I think next we were going to talk about uh, some of the differences between a few of the different types of, uh, you know, blockchains. I think you might have had a question that you were going to throw out there. Right. So we've got uh, a private, public and consortium. Can you can you just expand on that a little bit? Just because even I'm a little bit sometimes I'm a little bit confused and it helps when uh, we've got somebody else's opinion. <laughs> Great. So I'll start with uh, the private blockchains. So private blockchains essentially are created by, you know, group of companies coming together and then, you know, for their defined set of business processes and then for their set of, uh, you know, defined information exchanges or, you know, the value exchange that they want to do across their ecosystem participation. So that is where, you know, we see the private blockchains where, you know, there is always one organization saying that, you know, this is my network and that, you know, I have the governance over this. Uh, consortiums is where, uh, you know, you see the consortiums like uh, Mobi and then, you know, a few others uh, that are out there, uh, which are in terms of, you know, beta, right, um, uh, blockchain and travel uh, alliance. So these are the consortiums wherein, like, you know, the, the, the entire industry uh, in a specific, uh, you know, uh, vertical or a specific, uh, you know, uh, business process comes together and say that, let us create a, a network among ourselves, you know, to be able to interact among ourselves and also with our business partners. And then, you know, there becomes, there comes a set of standards, there comes, you know, a set of guidelines, there comes a set of governance in terms of like, you know, uh, whom, whom can we, uh, you know, add to our network, who should be participating in the network, you know, how do we govern this entire network. That's what, you know, is what we call it as consortium chains. Public chains, we all know, uh, most of the public chains today are related to value exchange, uh, not much about the information exchange, probably it might change. Uh, you know, with the NFTs gaining a lot and lot more popularity. But at this point of time, public chains are like, you know, your Bitcoin network, Ethereum network, and then, you know, most of the other networks that you see today, they're all public chains, which are predominantly for value exchange. So LV, I think this is a really important point that I want to expand on. I want to make sure that I understand this because, you know, Gabe, I agree with you. Sometimes these things are a bit confusing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to key in on a couple of things you just said, LV. You said that public blockchains are many times for value exchange. And so we might consider like value exchange, like the exchange of cryptocurrencies or exchange of Bit Bitcoin or Ethereum or things like that. Right. So that is public blockchains potentially, you know, primarily for value exchange. I got it. Okay. Private blockchains, you might find private blockchains being something where you have to join that uh, blockchain in order to be able to exchange information like records or, you know, other elements um, that you're going to provide access to to a closed uh, group of individuals. Is that is that an accurate assessment? And that is a closed group of individuals or organizations. Okay. Okay. And then when we go to consortium right away, now I, I didn't completely understand this, you know, um, not that long ago, but right away, what comes to mind is we have consortiums in the industry like CETA and IATA and Aero Exchange and things like that. And basically they create, uh, you know, shared networks, you know, some of the big manufacturers, they do it as well. But right away that kind of comes to mind is, is that, is that the similar kind of concept where we would have, um, you know, industry consortium, I can't use the word consortium in the, in the, in the description, but industry assembly of people and information to be able to share that information. Is that is that is that an accurate assessment? That's an accurate assessment. Uh, but wherein, you know, in 
probably the current the, the way the current consortiums are managed is that you know they will have uh, the general body meetings they will have a lot of governance structures created a lot of people attend and then vote and then you know gets recorded but here in the consortiums on blockchain all of that becomes as part of you know your blockchain interactions it's part of the doa you know, delegation authority basically got it got it okay very good very good all right okay let's uh let's keep moving i'm gonna recognize a few more people i always like to do that um we have uh let me see we have let's see it didn't come up here there we have um, we already we already recognize deepak and then we have uh, rob uh, brink coming to us from amsterdam rob thanks um, we have uh, Arturs. Um, he's uh, coming to us. Oh, he likes my background. Uh, Arturs is actually with Air Baltic, and uh, um, we're going to have an interesting conversation here in the near future. Welcome, Arturs. And then we have some questions that have come up. We'll probably be jumping back on those uh, in just a minute here. All right. Uh, very good. Well, listen, let's continue on with our conversation about terminology because I think this is an important part of the discussion so we understand. So um, let me kind of go around here a little bit. LB. Um, maybe you could start with um, when we're talking about blockchain, we just talked a little bit about distributed ledgers and we talked about, um, uh, you know, some different aspects of that. Uh, we also talked a little bit about cryptographic transactions. So we know that value transactions are happening on the blockchain. Um, can you maybe add a little bit to the idea of a decentralized architecture? What is really the primary reason for having a decentralized architecture for anything? Wonderful. So the decentralization is, uh, you know, taking away a decision-making authority with a particular organization or a particular individual, right? So today, let us suppose, uh, just for the sake of example, um, Amazon, you know, runs the reviews of the, you know, the products that, uh, you know, people buy. You really don't know, you know, whether those reviews are paid reviews or whether those reviews are, um, you know, obvious. But if the same product that you want to buy and you, know, you want to compare across different sites, you do not have any of that information available. You have to look at, uh, you know, the, the, the marketplace A, marketplace B, marketplace C. Because, you know, all of this is in information is in a centralized way. And in terms of like, you know, uh, making it decentralized, right? So how can you make the information decentralized? So that, you know, one not one single organization has the authority to say that, you know, I hold this information. It's a group of individuals, it's a group of computing, it's a group of servers, group of nodes, whatever you call it, right? They vote in terms of like, you know, how this should be handled, you know, who holds information, who can see this information, who can share this information. So this is, decentralization is like, you know, the decision making across different people participating in the network. That is what, you know, I see the decentralization coming in. Yeah, you know, and um, the fact that we sort of brought in the concept of consortium networks, you know, that goes right into that is, is that um, actually Rena asked a question here. I'm going to throw up on the screen. Um, and uh, oops, you're out of the screen there. I'm going to have to put you back in there, LB, so we can see you. Good. Um, uh, Rena asked a question that says, is there any private or public established blockchain networks um, already created in aviation? And I'm just going to add to that real quick, and then maybe um, you can comment. But uh, you know, um, there are, in fact, uh, efforts going, and there have been for quite some time, IATA, um, CETA, uh, some other um, organizations are trying to create some standards, you know, in that space. And um, there are, in fact, companies that are already implementing, you know, public and private uh, blockchain networks. And um, uh, we're going to talk about some of those in coming weeks. But um, if we look at the major players in the industry, I mean, we, of course, have real variable that's brought, you know, blockchains. We're going to talk to that. We have Microsoft. We have, uh, you know, all kinds of companies, IBM, uh, many that are actually bringing blockchains, you know, into um, aviation today. That's one of the reasons that we're addressing this is becoming because it's becoming so popular, you know, so quickly. 
Um, LB, uh, what are you seeing as far as the proliferation of blockchain and private or public networks, you know, in the industry today? Well, I mean, it has gained a lot of traction. You know, we have one of our, uh, you know, one of our friends on the call, Sean Mark from Skythread. You know, they're working on quite a beautiful solution. And, you know, there are there are other players, you know, who are working like Block Aviation is, you know, one player which is working on, you know, these kind of solutions in uh, Ireland. So quite a number of, uh, you know, such efforts are coming up. And also, you know, there is, we, we understand, uh, you know, there is also some investments coming in from the existing consortia in terms of looking at the possible use cases and then, you know, how do they, how do they, how do they bring in the current ecosystem into the consortia? But the use cases are huge. So everybody is attempting a, sing, a, a part of the problem today in terms of aviation blockchains. They're not probably, you know, looking at the holistic picture yet. Yeah. So um, maybe along that same lines, uh, Gabe, you asked me a question, um, I think, uh, yesterday that I couldn't completely answer. And um, you were asking me about, you know, what types of blockchains were being used. This would be a perfect opportunity for you to, you know, ask uh, LV, you know, about something in that lines, because, uh, you know, I, I, it goes right along with what Rena was asking. So, yeah, so. I, we were we were trying to determine uh, what what blockchain that you guys were utilizing and uh, just just curious on that question. Yeah. So, again, like, you know, whenever you are talking about blockchains as well, right? So you have Turing complete, you have Turing incomplete chains. Mm -hmm. So any blockchain network, you know, where you see the smart contracts can be utilized, you know, those are Turing complete. Right. Uh, there are blockchain networks like multi-chain, which are not Turing complete because they do not have the smart contract but they have the ability of the distributed ledger uh, they do not have the decentralization part right so depending upon the use case uh, if you need if, if a particular use case really needs a decentralization uh, then you know you have to look at uh, you know the blockchains which have the ability for smart contracts so those become your ethereum your quorum your hyperledger fabric and then you know these are some of the uh, prevalent uh, ones that are there and then there are things like you know cardano coming solana is there and then you know a lot of other uh, you know chains are coming and when you talk about like you know the machine to machine communication right so there are also a lot of use cases coming in terms of like you know machine as a service so there you see the likes of iota picking up and uh, you know you also see now um, the, the consensus like tendermint picking up you know in terms of looking at cross blockchain interactions so these are some of the uh, blockchains that you know we normally uh, use in our implementations with our customers and anywhere so, now go ahead Abhi. yeah yeah if anything about you know uh, at this point of time the most stable and then you know the uh, the blockchain technology that is investing in create b2b is ethereum so we are excited mm -hmm. to see you know what ethereum is going to bring to the table uh, on the b2b uh, in the next uh, maybe couple of years well you know that's a good question so uh, basically, are there more implementations on Ethereum than any other network, or do I just make that assumption? Or blockchain? Is, there, is that accurate or not? Uh, most of the private networks are going into Corda, Quorum, and Fabric. Mm -hmm. If okay. there is a public network interaction that is required, then 80% of the cases it is Ethereum now. Okay. So, listen, you brought up a couple of terms. I always like to define terms so that people understand. Um, you brought up the word smart contracts, and you said not all blockchains use smart contracts. Can you please explain what is a smart contract and why does a blockchain use it and why does it not use it? I'll try to put it in. I'll try to put it in uh, business language. Uh, you know, Mark. Right. So today, uh, let us suppose, like you know, I am making a payment. Uh, you know, from my company to another company, right? And when I make the payment, 
I will I will have you know certain rules on my ERP or you know on my system that I use, and then I will have to send that information back to the other company which is the receiver, right? Saying that you know hey I paid you this, so until you know they reconcile nothing gets done. But rather what I can do is you know I can write a network I can write a business rule on the network itself that says that if this condition is met this payment has to be released this should be the receiver, right? So as soon as that condition is met, as soon as that you know I approve a particular receipt of good or service, then you know the smart contract through the smart contract, which has let us say you know certain uh, certain tokens or you know certain monetary value in the wallet, that amount can be automatically triggered to the receiver's uh, you know address or you know the receiver's wallet. So that way um, there is no bureaucracy that is involved, and then you know the both sides. So smart contracts are event-based triggers. So on meeting a certain condition, another uh, you know, action has to happen. That is what, for me, a definition of a smart contract is. But not all blockchains have smart contract capability. Not necessarily. Okay, good, very good. So it's important then as people move forward then for us to understand that more. We're not gonna get into that level of detail here today, but understanding the appropriate blockchain and why you would use it or why you wouldn't use it is an interesting conversation. Um, I did bring up earlier in the broadcast today that I saw in the news just a couple of days ago that Lexus Nexus, um, which you know if you don't know is an information company, provides information in a lot of different areas, uh, legal and other areas, um, is implementing a blockchain information service uh, for um, uh, schedule information, for network information in the airlines. And I noticed that they were using Ethereum and Chainlink nodes, okay? Why would they do that? I don't understand. I just I don't I don't understand networks well enough to know why you would choose something like that. Most of this information is public. Uh, if it is about you know, the aircraft schedules, right? Uh, it is a public, and Chainlink allows you to have the information shared across you know multiple chains. So which means that you know as a as a uh, as an airline, I can be running a different uh, blockchain network. As uh, you know another uh, airline, I can be running a different blockchain network. But using this process and then, you know, publishing this on the Ethereum, then you have all of this information, you know, in a way that is coming out of Ethereum. From Ethereum, there can be many people, you know, who can consume this information so that they can pay for this information and consume, right? So that is the reason, you know, they have gone to that. So that, you know, there is an authenticity, there is a contract that can be executed every time the information is consumed. Very good, very good. Thank you for answering that. So, um, you know, we answered that one question. We kind of went off in a direction there when Rena asked about, uh, you know, public and private networks. But um, I, I like to continue to answer people's questions because that's really the most interesting to people is when we answer their questions. Um, but we also have uh, a few other people that have joined us. We have uh, Abdullah joining us from Aramco in Saudi. Welcome. I'm glad to have you with us. But then I have a question from Sven here, which I wanted to address. So I think this is a really good question. Okay. Is, is it... Um, uh, LB is out of my picture again. I'll try to get him back in here. There we go. We're all covered up by that big question. Um, Sven says, is, is there's been quite some initial blockchain excitement in our industry a few years back, and then it was followed by a quiet period. Um, and uh, it appears that, um, you know, business to business, non-finance, uh, seems like it's returning now with customers asking for blockchain use cases, decentralization, immutability, and things like that. It's not exclusive to blockchain. So I had this conversation with another gentleman um, who provides a record solution in the industry, and he was debating with me whether we really needed blockchain or not. Okay, now first, now that's about four different questions asked there, Sven. So I'm going to answer a couple of them. All right, I have an opinion. Is is that blockchain was new? You know, three years ago, five years ago, I didn't even understand what it was, and I started exploring it about three years ago. 
and it became popular and people wanted to start looking at it. But frankly, the, the, the technologies were continuing to mature. And frankly, people thought, oh, blockchain, that's cryptocurrency. What are we even talking about that for? And then I saw somebody addressing it in terms of digital twins, where they were building up digital twins. And then over the last couple of years, it's become more and more mature. And my opinion is, is, is that in the last couple of years, when we've all focused more on digital and digital transformation, and the technology has continued to mature, people have paid a little bit more attention to it. They're starting to understand the value of it and understanding where it may or may not be able to be used. But LV, I wanted to ask you and a question or an opinion is that a lot of people ask me, well, yeah, but you can do those things with you know other applications. I can use a database with an API and exchange messages, just like you can exchange a smart contract on a blockchain. Can you help explain why uh, maybe you may or may not want to use a blockchain solution. <clears throat> sure, Mark. So uh, just extending on your thought, right? So in our experience, last four years, right? The first couple of years is mostly education to, you know, most of the C-level people and, you know, the IT managers and, you know, what is blockchain about? How is it relevant to the industry? And we also have to consider the fact that, you know, most of these companies run budgets for three years, right? So it's not just that, you know, there is a new technology available in the market. Let's jump and, you know, do something about it. Most of the companies have invested on great amounts on the proof of concepts and what they think is the right use case for them. And then, you know, they have vetted it. And now they are going into a full-fledged implementations on the successful POCs. That is the reason there was a lot of excitement. People have started. Then they then they tried, you know, what needs to be done. They, they looked at it and now industry is settling in terms of, okay, this is what I want. This is where I want to use the blockchain. The second part of it, right? Uh, one of, uh, I'll, I'll answer your question, like you know, whether I would use blockchain or not. But the second part of the question is decentralization and immutability unique to blockchain? No, it is not unique to blockchain. You can achieve decentralization, you can achieve immutability in a, in a number of ways, but is it cost effective? We see that the decentralization and you know immutability using blockchain is very very cost effective. That is where, like, you know, the, those two have become, you know, uh, words that are to reckon with, you know, when we say blockchain in the B2B uh, scenarios, right? In terms of whether I would use blockchain or not for a specific use case, right? Very, very clear. If there is a multi-party collaboration involved and if you need the data from the network, not that, you know, you need to bring the data from, you know, multiple participants, dump it into your data lake, dump it into your data warehouse, and then, you know, create actionable intelligence out of it, the time runs out. Right. But if you need the source of truth, giving you the information over a network where, you know, that information is something that you can trust and you can use. That is the place where, you know, I will see uh, B2B blockchains, you know, being more and more, uh, you know, coming up. So, um, LB, I'm really glad that Sven asked that question because um, we actually do have a couple of slides because I'm going to drill down into the next level of detail where we're gonna talk a little bit about where you would use it and maybe where you wouldn't use it. And uh, 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 LV provided us a couple of slides which maybe help us to begin to uncover that or understand that a little bit better. And um, in this particular first slide, uh, you know, we're talking about manufacturing, all right? And in OEM, you see in the center here in the slide, there's an OEM. And it basically describes the as-is process where we're using EDI and electronic data interfaces you know, from different sources to be able to send information to a common source or to an original equipment manufacturer. 
And that's, you know, it's a lot of the way things are really done today. So when we talk about tier two suppliers or tier one suppliers, we're talking about a very large, vast network of people that have to provide information that needs to be accessed by a common OEM, like by Boeing or by Airbus or by anybody. And in order for us to know the status of parts and materials, you know, in their supply chain, um, that information has to be provided. Now, in many, many cases, we all know that supply chain and logistics, you know, it's absolutely impossible to find an accurate status of where things are and what's going on. And that's much of what happens today. Now, I'm going to jump to the next slide and I'm going to, LB, I'm going to let you answer this is that in a blockchain world, how would this be different? Instead of uh, the suppliers sending the information to their next level, tier two sending the information to the next level, and the tier one sending that information to the OEM, when tier two is publishing the information, they say that, you know, this is the information that I'm sharing with tier one. By the way, out of this, uh, you know, 10 attributes, five attributes are, are related and are to be visible to the OEM. So, which means that as soon as that information set is published, whichever records that are required to be seen by the OEM, OEM will have an immediate, uh, immediate visibility of those records, visibility of that information. So this way, what happens is that you know the the time spent in terms of like you know having the information hops is completely cut down, and also the possibility of like you know editing or deleting or modifying any of those records also is taken out, right? In an otherwise scenario, Mark, it's very, very common that we know that, you know, OEM calls up the tier one and say, you know, when is my part getting delivered? It could be an MTO. And then, you know, when most of the times that we see today's manufacturing is mostly make to order, right? Uh, if they're high value goods. And uh, in this scenario, every tier one knows that, you know, this is the order that I received from the OEM and this is the corresponding, uh, you know, demand that I have passed on to the tier twos, right? So instead of you know having the tier one collect this information and then pass it back you publish to the network when publishing the network you decide that you know this information needs to be visible to so and so it automatically is visible to everybody on the network so um lv maybe i'll, I'll come back and ask a follow-up question by means of somebody asked a question it's very appropriate to you know what you're talking about right now and um so you've talked about having a common place where information can be published to and shared on the blockchain, okay? Now this question, it's not exactly what I was thinking, but it sort of will take us to the next step. Um, the question is from Ishmael is, is that how can we transfer our old customer data to blockchain servers, all right? I'm gonna ask you to answer that in a two-part question, is that we have existing data that exists out there today, all right? And what about the difficulty of onboarding suppliers, you know, into that kind of a network? So number one, how do we transfer old data onto a blockchain server? And why is using a blockchain any different than just doing it and putting it into a data lake or anything like that? Sure. Uh -huh. So again, when you're trying to look at transferring the old data to the blockchain, uh, we, strongly, uh, we strongly suggest not to do it because you always, you always take the latest snapshot in terms of whatever is the data set that you have and then publish that data set as your genesis as your starting point so that you know the rest of the records can go from there because uh, moving the historic data into blockchain really does not make a lot of sense right uh, the second aspect of that uh, mark to your question you know can i just use it using a database or can i just using can i just do it using a data lake yeah you can do it i mean the organization the tier two supplier can have their own database tier one can have their own database they can do the apis and then you know they can send this information to whomsoever it's required but what is the 
the amount of work that is involved you know if you have to change one piece of that information like you know four different organizations have to work together and then you know have to change but in the blockchain parallels each node communicates with each other using the peer to peer communication and also you know you write the smart contracts in terms of you know what data can be shared with who so it is the change to the contract in the network rather than like you know four different parties have to change four different pieces of code four different um, you know releases that they have to make and then you know wait a year before everybody you know makes the changes so that is where you know we see a lot of value coming in in terms of the business networks using the smart contracts information publishing and information share so um you know lv let me I'm, i just want to ask some hard questions because people ask me these things okay you know you might have you know you might have a uh, um a service bus or something like that in, in the past that actually would provide you know easier interchange where you know you provide a middleware layer where you communicate to that and then everybody communicates to the middleware layer so this isn't a new concept right the question people ask me is is that why is it any different with blockchain why is it easier to onboard or or you know why is it different about sharing data because we have enterprise service buses and things like that today you know so how is using a blockchain any easier or better than what we currently do today absolutely so when you are talking about a middleware it is just the information exchange layer it is not a information persistence layer what i mean that you know it does not store information right when it comes to blockchain there are two three ways that you can implement the blockchain one is you are you are sharing a set of information let us say which is about 20 different attributes but you can identify the key attributes and say that you know this is my reference and rest of the information is in a private contract let us say right on the blockchain itself or the private collection then what you can also have is you can have the entire information in the blockchain in the in the consortium network or on the private network right so that way what you can do is you will be able to have this information from the same layer which is also communicating with the rest of the parties rather than you know having this in you know some database and then you know using the services what happens if the record is modified in the database like one record has been accessed by you but then they go and change that record whatever is the reason right but you have a copy of the record which is the previous record the changed record is not communicated to you then you already start seeing the differences here right what if if you know this database is lost uh, you know where which has sent this information and then you know you want some information again they say we don't have a record what will you do right so these are all the cases where uh, you know organizations are looking at you know how do i create how do i create a persistence layer uh you know where i can easily and seamlessly transfer information and transfer value yeah i i really like that explanation i think that makes really good you know sense thank you lv that makes good sense hey listen we have another question what's well, actually a comment here i'm going to put it up though um a comment from shivam and he brings up a really good point is is that uh, we have a couple of challenges in front of us and um you know one of them that he brings up is basically uh bridging you know i'm i'm inter- I'm, i'm abbreviating his question here is is that we have different blockchains and uh you know we have to bridge you know across them um i wonder if you couldn't maybe address that when we have all the different blockchains that exist out there today how do we really deal with the challenge of bridging across different blockchains <clears throat> there are a number of cross chain solutions that you know have come in right uh, i really don't want to go into the technicality in this session but quite a number of you know uh, cross chains applications like you know chainlink is one of those uh, you know applications smart which is just mentioned right so there is a solution for us to you know connect to multiple uh, protocols or you know multiple blockchain networks when a non blockchain participant wants to work in the blockchain there are also solutions for that 
there are solutions where you know you can implement the digital signatures. Um, there are also solutions where you can implement the verified credentials, dates, and then you know quite a lot of interesting stuff has come there as well. So and many of our customers, you know, also uses quite a lot of these things uh, today in terms of non-blockchain participants as well. For the non-blockchain participants, it is still a service call, but uh, we see that you know there is a possibility that you know in the near future they will join the network and they'll be able to communicate. That is when you know all of these signatures will help in terms of you know their trust establishment in the past. Yeah. So um, LB, in a in a somewhat related question. We had a question on Monday that we didn't get around to answering. Um, Gabriel, do you remember that question? It was about NFTs. Somebody asked us about two different kinds of NFTs. What was that again? Do you remember? Yeah, it was about uh, DNFTs, right? And then Soulbound as well. Do you know? Can you tell us anything about that? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean Soulbound is a very very interesting concept, right? So uh, SBT, that's what they call. It. I think this is coined mm -hmm. very recently by Vitalik. And uh, I am sure, uh, you know, if that comes into the mind of the Ethereum, uh, uh, you know, people, it, it will become a reality somehow. But ideally, SBT is a non-exchangeable token. It is a representation of uh, an individual self or an entity or an asset, right? So what does it mean, right? So my soulbound token for LV will have my date of birth, my vaccine record, can have my vaccine record. And also, like, you know, when I graduated from the university, the university can sign my SBT so that, you know, it is there. Uh, when I do it, when I, when, I, when I give a certain exam, you know, somewhere, uh, when, I, when I take a certain certificate from somewhere, you know, they can sign that, you know, this person has achieved this certificate. So this is a representation of the individual and all the accolades, achievements, and then, you know, whatever the individual has achieved during the time is something that, you know, which is uh, part of the SBT, right? Then you have the DNFT. DNFT is another very interesting concept, uh, wherein, like, you know, it is the NFTs across chains. It is still far-fetched. A lot of, uh, lot of uptake has to happen, you know, for NFTs to come into the picture. Uh, but I think, you know, that is another five years before, you know, we see some traction in the NFT because people are still struggling on creating the interoperability between chains on the normal blockchains for getting it. Yeah, um, all really good questions that you guys are asking and um, continue to ask your questions. And if we can't get to them today, we actually will answer them in future sessions. Hey, you know, somebody asked me, why are you doing eight weeks worth of discussions on blockchain, 24 episodes? And the reason we're doing that is because there is absolutely, you know, so much information that we actually talk about. And um, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be covering um, a lot of these different things. Um, as we go forward, and we're going to be answering as many questions as um, what you guys, uh, you know, can can give us. And so I wanted to encourage you to continue to submit your questions to us, and we will continue to answer uh, your questions. And if we can't answer them uh, this week, we'll answer them um, next week. Um, I wanted to jump to another slide here real quick, and uh, I just wanted to point out that um, we we have. Uh, we have yet one other use case, and um, that use case pertains to the use of records. That's actually a very popular one. And um, when we look at the use of records, um, records becomes a situation where uh, we're wanting to go out and, and keep a historical uh, documentation of uh, some particular you know, item. Um, for example, an aircraft, you know that we have um, configuration control and we have aircraft records and all those things are extremely important. 
And um, LB, the question I wanted to ask you is, is that if we're looking at the idea of records and record keeping, how is it that um, uh, a blockchain might assist us in better managing records or maintaining security? Or what are the attributes around maintaining records on a blockchain? Yes, so blockchains, um, today if you see, there is information that you know you can you can uh, publish to the blockchain you know with certain hashes and then you know relate it back uh, you know into the collections uh, with, that, with that hashes or you know whatever is the cryptographic mechanism that is used today, right? The same way you could also publish the documents uh, with the specific metadata or specific identifiers. And you know these documents can be on a distributed file storage. Uh, which is associated with this blockchain. So there are quite a few implementations like, you know, IPFS, which is interplanetary file storage, or, you know, Filecoin, or, you know, certain other, um, you know, uh, implementations that have come to be able to use, uh, you know, the records management on blockchain as well. So you would not think that, you know, the entire, let us say, PDF or, or an Excel or a, or a spec standard, you know, is actually stored on the blockchain. No, the hash of it is stored on the blockchain. And the actual copy is on a distributed ledger, on a distributed file system, you know, which can be taken out. So it is not in some central server with somebody, but it is on the distributed file system. Yeah, you know, um, Gabe has tried to explain to me many different times that uh, you know, cryptocurrency. When we look at that, is that uh, you know, in last week's program or on Monday's program, you know, Gabe talked a bit about a wallet and uh, cryptocurrency and how the um, the wallet uh, Gabe the wallet only contains the record of the crypto is that correct how does right because because yeah. the act it's on the blockchain right yeah. so the the actual the actual <laughs> crypto is on the all the information is on the blockchain not not technically in the wallet yeah that's and, right. And so, right so how does that how does that relate to a record then being you know lv being on the blockchain and people accessing that then is there a similarity between those two things or very much similar very much similar see a wallet is a representation of you know one particular identity on you know on the blockchain network and anything associated with with that particular wallet is with that identity right similarly every record that you store has a unique identity and that unique identity is linked back you know to the document very good very good well listen you guys have asked a lot of really good questions and we've been going now for 45 minutes if you have any other questions you know you can put them up while i talk about uh you know, next week. But um, in summary of, you know, talking about the use cases for, uh, for um, you know, the, the business cases for blockchain, uh, when, when we look at real variable, um, real variable has focused on a few key areas. They've focused on supply chain, uh, part track and trace, warranties, contracts, providence and history, and, you know, providing actionable information surrounding those things. And so LB, just um, give me one little bit of information. Is it uh, we're going to do a detailed product showcase in a few weeks um, about real variable, but give people a quick view on how blockchain fits into this ecosystem and providing these things that are on the screen here right now. Absolutely. Warranty contracts. Today, if you see uh, the manufacturers pay warranties to the dealers or customers, but when they have to recover from their suppliers, you know, it becomes a huge task to prove quite a number of things, right? So that is where, you know, the smart contracts and uh, comes in the warranty for the warranty recovery from the suppliers. Uh, provenance is, you know, another important aspect in terms of, you know, proving a certain thing, whether it is sustainability, whether it is country of origin, whether it is certificate of, uh, you know, conduct, anything that is related to the provenance, right? 
actionable information like we said um a airframe manufacturer would require production schedule of you know the tier 3 uh, you know supplier if the tier 3 supplier does not produce the part in the specified time the airframe uh, you know will get delayed so that is the actionable information that comes through the blockchain through the digital trust layer parts track and trace is another huge um, you know area where you know a lot of organizations are investing in terms of just understanding you know where the part is you know there are many many modes of uh, you know shipments there and the supply chain again people are looking at how do i optimize inventory how do i optimize you know operations but being able to consume the information from the data network rather than you know creating their own siloed uh, lakes or you know warehouses so ld i'd like to add one thing to this is that um you know every single day we see more information on the news about uh, you know delays cancellations and, um, you know, they come from a lot of different places. They come from labor efficiencies. They come from parts and materials inefficiencies. They come from weather. They, you know, a lot of different reasons that there are delays and cancellations in the industry. As a matter of fact, yesterday, um, you know, the Heathrow Airport Authority, you know, they, they said, stop selling tickets into Heathrow for the summer. We can't take any more passengers, you know. And so our system is so stressed. And there are so many factors that are affecting it that we have to find ways to optimize it. And I have continually said to people that we can provide relief in our systems through digital and digital transformation. And you go, well, what are you saying? That's just something you like, all right? You like digital. Yes, I like digital, but I happen to know the value of it. And I've actually done implementations where I've seen 10%, 25%, 45%, 90% improvement in certain aspects of efficiency. And what we find is that we can introduce tremendous efficiencies in the system. And when you have a system that's breaking, we need to find ways to be able to improve that. If you can't go hire 100 people to fix the problem, why not optimize the environment by putting different digital solutions in place to be able to help provide relief? So I'm going to leave it at that and say that digital and digital transformation, including blockchain and aviation, are aspects that are going to provide us some tremendous um, efficiencies in our operation. And we're going to be looking forward, um, LV, to hearing more about you know real variable in a couple of weeks. Listen, um, I want to address um, I want to address what's happening on Friday uh, before we sign off here. And um, uh, uh, on Friday, we're actually going to talk about uh, cryptocurrency. And you might ask yourself, well, why are we talking about cryptocurrency in the context of aviation? Right. Well, number one, it's a blockchain technology. Gabe, you know, you like cryptocurrency, right? Isn't that a passion of yours? It is. <laughs> Gabe got me into uh, looking at cryptocurrency. And um, and what you'll find out is, is that there are airlines today that are beginning to take cryptocurrency already. And so we need to understand cryptocurrency, how it fits into the market, how it fits on the blockchains. And Friday, I have an expert um, who spent 20 plus years uh, in uh, foreign exchange and then the last, I don't know, I think he's five or seven years um, into exchange of uh, cryptocurrency. And he's going to help us get some really solid insights into what's happening in the cryptocurrency market and how we can better understand that. Okay. Now, as we wrap up this segment about uh, blockchain, LB, I just wanted to ask you this, is that what is, the, what is the most exciting to you about blockchain and aviation today with respect to your business? <clears throat> Uh, the most, the most interesting or the most uh, you know exciting thing for us is uh, you know the supplier collaboration. Uh, some of these airlines have eleven thousand plus suppliers, you know, who supply quite a number of products. That's a huge opportunity to unlock a lot of efficiencies. And on top of it, 
we also want to look at you know how can we implement the warranties and warranty recoveries you know from this ecosystem that is what is most exciting for us yeah tremendous opportunity because there's so much uh so much cost impact you know because of parts and materials and uh you know from warranties i've seen it personally in looking at um, different aspects of the industry lb thank you so much for joining us today um i really really appreciate uh you know you're giving us some of your time and your knowledge and you know, sharing it with all the people that are out there watching today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Gabriel, and thanks to everybody who dialed in and then you know listened to this. Thank you. Yeah. So um, as we begin to wrap things up, um, I just wanted to say that um, I still have the ability to capture your questions, and um, if you have questions, you can submit them in the comments. You know, please do that, and uh, I would really appreciate it. And remember, um, uh, for the for seven for seven more weeks after this week. We are actually having um, live broadcasts on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and it's at uh, 12 Eastern Time, 1600 GMT. Mondays, we're looking at ideation Mondays. We're looking at what are new ideas in the industry? Um, what, what, how is blockchain being used? How is Web3 being used? What are the benefits? Wednesdays, we're looking at uh, business cases and actual usage of these things. And on Fridays, we're actually going to be doing product showcases where we're going to look at specific products and how they're being implemented within the industry. I wanna really encourage you to join and uh, I will be providing the ability to access these things um, recorded and uh, you can access them on most major social media channels, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Um, I actually have this broadcasted on Twitch even though I'm not a Twitch user. And, uh, and uh, it's also available within 24 hours on every major um, podcast as an audio. Um, uh, uh, episode number one was put out uh, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, and you can access those um, in audio. So we're really hoping that we can help you to better understand uh, blockchain and better, better understand its application with the industry and that we can work out our passions. Um, thanks for joining today, LV and Gabriel. I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for having us. <laughs> That's good. That's great. Thanks, guys. And uh, I want to say goodbye for now. Fair winds and following seas. Um, submit your questions, and I look forward to seeing you on Friday at the same time. Bye for now.